Hi, this is Track Changes, the podcast of Postlight, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. My name is Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of Postlight, and today my other co-founder is in Lebanon. And rather than try to fix up some sort of remote connection, I pulled in one of our directors of engineering, Gina Trapani, who has a rich and varied career in technology, and asked her if she would talk to me about a range of subjects, but in particular, personal productivity. So before we get to that, I'm going to remind you of what Postlight does. Open your ears, listen carefully. We build apps. We build web platforms. Anything that you hold in your hand on your phone, anything you see on the screen when you're using Chrome or Safari or maybe even Firefox, we can make that. So get in touch if you ever need that. You can send an email to hello at postlight.com. That's enough of just me. Let's talk to Gina. Gina Trapani. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing today? It's good. I literally just roped you in from the floor and said, (laughs) hey, podcast. I was coding and now I'm talking into a microphone. You know, we should tell people. So it's it's kind of an awkward thing, though, because I'm like, you know, Gina's got a very good, can we say personal brand? Oh, God. I'm sorry. But you have a large following on Twitter and so on and so forth. Uh, you have been on many a podcast. I, I've done a few podcasts. I've done a few thousand podcasts. A few. So we actually have a policy at Postlight about exploiting you, <laughs> which is, well, you could articulate it. Uh, the exploitation policy? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that exploitation was one of the words in the, <laughs> I know, in the policy. I know. Well, we struck that from the original draft when we presented it to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, I mean, we, so, you know, when you started, it was like this very delicate conversation where I was like, Gina, would you ever want to tweet something about Postlight? Because <laughs> you have 300,000 plus Twitter followers. And... Uh, and but but it was it was kind of delicate because we didn't want to put you put you in under any pressure for that because it's tacky and bad and yeah it's funny that was not a, really a delicate conversation for me like I could tell that you took it very seriously and were like very measured and like asking me very carefully but I mean I for most of my career in tech I've identified myself with the job that I was doing at that moment and I mean I wouldn't have come to Postlight if I wasn't comfortable talking about Postlight and what I was doing here. Uh, so the policy is you ask me once in a while if I want to tweet a thing. Sometimes in Slack. Sometimes in Slack. Sometimes in person. And then I do or not. Is that how it's That's worked? basically the policy. <laughs> you just have full – we're allowed to ask as much as we want, and you're allowed to say no as much as you want. I actually really love talking about what we're doing here because we're doing some cool stuff. And I'm not just saying that because you're my boss and we're sitting here in the office. Um, <laughs> This all got really awkward. We should explain <laughs> to people who you are because while I assume that everybody knows who you are, they may not. Okay. Um, so you were a very early blogger. Yes. In Brooklyn. You grew up in Brooklyn. Yes, I did. You then went and worked on something called, if I remember correctly, uh, Kinja. I did. That's right. And how did you get, wait, actually, you became a computer computer scientist before you did that, correct? You were a... Yeah, I have a master's degree in computer science. I was an English major as an undergrad. Uh, I got my degree in comp sci just kind of by accident. I just like computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, I did a little programming for a startup, uh, Bolt.com, which is no longer. But at one point, talked to Facebook about acquiring them. So that what, was a kind of their... What did Bolt do? It was a social network for high school students. Oh, uh, okay. So it was like Facebook, but younger. Uh, but you almost school. both almost bought Facebook. At some point, apparently, rumor has it that our founder was like talking to Zuck about 
some sure. sort of transaction that would sure. have come made into come into the Bolt family turn out differently for Bolt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of those. At one point, um, Commodore nearly bought Apple. Mm-hmm. That would have been different. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs wanted to sell, but they couldn't make a deal happen. Look at that. It's the eighties, and here yeah. we are. Yeah, here we are. As I record this onto Pro Tools in the Mac. <laughs> Right. Oh, destiny, Gina. Destiny. Okay, so um, you were working on Kinjo, which was part of the Gawker Media Group, which probably wasn't even called Gawker Media Group back then. No, there was no group back then. It was called so. So Kinjo before it launched was called like the Lafayette Project, and Meg Hurahan of Blogger was working on it with Nick Denton. Gawker dot com existed. I think was pretty new. Um, Liz was writing it at the time. She was the first. Elizabeth Spires, who's been on the show. That's right, who's been on the show. Right, so we started, I was... I started as an intern. Yeah. Uh, Nick bought me my first Mac. It was a little white iBook. Oh, that's nice. It was really nice. And um, yeah, and I worked with Meg and Mark Wilkie, who was then later became like the CTO of BuzzFeed. Uh, And we worked on this thing called Kinja. At one point, he took you aside, right? And was like, do you want to do this? Yeah, we we had a talk. uh, So Danny O'Brien gave his life hacks talk at E-Tech in 2004. 2004. Which you were in. That's right. I was mentioning that. They sent out a survey and it was like, how do you organize your life? And I was like, I use a big text file and I put what I have to do in the text file. Yeah, this will come up again later. And this guy, exactly, this guy, Danny O'Brien, talked about that on stage. And I got emails after that and people were like, do you really use a text file? Because back then, they used to harass men and women equally. It wasn't just women like it is today. <laughs> and uh, uh, and like, people were pissed that I used a big text file. It's, that was, that, the internet is so surprising. People really get angry about everything you do. Well, you know, Danny's point was like, oh, nerds like, like have been through enough. Like they've had enough corrupted PST files in Outlook. And they've had enough like data loss and, and, and corruption that they just finally just they just fall back on text. I mean, this is true. You trust text. You as trust a, text. As a programmer, you just learn to trust text. Absolutely. So, you know, you've done other things since then. But that's a, the a context here, which is that you went and started Lifehacker. That's right. Uh, and are... Not a like, not like a sort of academic style expert, but definitely by exposure, an expert in the world of productivity. Like you have seen the whole world of productivity. <laughs> in terms of apps and software and books and systems and methods, you yes. reviewed it. You wrote the. There's the Lifehacker book, right? Yeah, there's three editions of the Lifehacker book. Yes. You should also point out that another Lifehacker, um, Adam Pash, also works at, at Postlight. We are. Pretty. Now, we haven't hired all the life hackers, no. but de- <laughs> definitely a large number. And so you made your own productivity system. I did. Which is unusual because most people who make their own productivity systems then never complete it and don't use it <laughs> because productivity people are almost universally disasters at productivity. That's true. Um, but you did. What was this called? It's called To Do Text. It's okay. a terrible name. Terrible name. Well, times were different. I mean, this is the thing. I was spending every day testing new to-do list apps, and I never stuck with one, but I always had a file. It was Notepad at the time because I was actually on Windows, and right. Notepad to do.txt file on my desktop, and that's what I would open to figure out what I needed to do that day. So then I was like, let's just... Let me just commit to this and systematize this, right? Because text is never going to go away. There's always going to be an app that can read text. It's true. All these other to-do list apps are going to die. A hundred years from now, that text file is still going to be perfectly usable. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, I, I wrote a shell script and published it on Lifehacker and people went nuts. Uh, for it, it was one of these things. It was it's a markdown like kind of syntax for writing 
for writing to-do items, so like that you can prioritize them and say, like, the due date is this. Uh, so you could use any text editor and sort your list and see what you're supposed to work on next. And it was just kind of like a couple of command line things to add a task, to mark a task as complete, to prioritize it. So what you did, you had been editing in Notepad. So you're, you're opening right. a text editor. It's easy to joke about Notepad being a tiny little application, but really it lets you type the letters in and it yeah. lets you scroll up and down. And that's right. most of what you need. Yep. Everything else is kind of gravy. So that's a great simple place and it saves flat text. So mm-hmm. nothing, no weird command codes. And so what you did was you made a system whereby you could type like add to do. Right, like, exactly, from the command line, which I okay. spent some time in. I mean, I, I, there was like a, this middle time when I was using launchers to be like append this line to my to-do list because I wanted just an easy I, – I didn't want to have to double-click on the file, go to the line, and type it. I wanted an easy way to just be like add this to-do. So I played with like Quicksilver-like things, launchers, that kind of thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm just – I'm always in the terminal. I'm a programmer, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm often in the terminal. So let's just make a little shell script that does this. That's right. And, you know, what I love about projects like that is you can think about the whole thing at once. Like it's just you, you know, it's a shell script and it's going to do three or four things. Mm -hmm. And then once it gets beyond that, you probably should go be something else. But Mm -hmm. if you can keep it there, oh my God. Like I don't, I don't think people fight hard enough in their life to keep things at that level of simplicity. Right. To do one, one thing well. Because it gets really expensive after that. Then you have something you have to support for the rest of your life. Although... With to-do text, you also created something you had to support for the rest of your life. So, <laughs> so a community arises around this thing. Yes. Okay. A community arises. We get it up on GitHub. People have all sorts of feature requests uh, for this shell script, which is just insane. But, you know, Lifehacker's got a big audience. So anything right. that I write about on Lifehacker gets a lot of eyes right away. It's a huge privilege. Mm-hmm. And so uh, an audience comes up. There are all sorts of feature requests. So, so suddenly this shell script becomes a framework where you can add plugins. So now people are writing plugins oh, See, this is exactly script. what I warned about. Exactly. This and now bad. it's got unit tests and now it's got <laughs> plugins. And, but now people start building like Vim plugins and Sublime Text plugins to do highlighting and all sorts of web-based mechanisms for adding issues. Like it, it got kind of crazy. Let me ask you about the psychology of that moment because I've had a few things where it's like I'll put them out, I'll put them on GitHub. And then people have other paths for them. And yes. I feel tremendously guilty immediately because I'm like I don't know what to do now. Like I'm yeah. just like how did you – did you have that feeling? Absolutely. So okay. I, so the way that I had to think about it was like, because I, people kept saying, well, can you add this feature? Can you add that feature? And I'd be like, no. And I hate saying no to people because I'm, I'm a people pleaser. So I'd be like, okay, you can add as many fields as you want to this very simple format, which I don't want to make more complex. Here's the key value format. Go nuts. Like, right. here's the plugin framework. You can add whatever feature you want. Just you want to turn this in into a database? Plugin. Just use this equal sign here. Good luck. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Keep your own GitHub repository, you know, for your own plugin. Like, I just kind of, like, give people the hooks to add whatever they want, but we don't have to bloat, like, the definition of the format or the core shell script. So I had I had very strong feelings about how core should be super, super simple. This is worth noting, right? Like, a lot of times... Projects like that are basically just ideas that have been sketched out in code, but it's the idea way more than the code that -hmm. matters. And so that's the hard part is just going like, great, this is now your idea. Go take it. And not feeling beholden to everybody's ideas. Yeah. And it's it's really tricky in that world because people will be like, what if it did this and what if it did that? And you feel a little proprietary. You came up with the idea. So there's a sense of ownership and there's Mm -hmm. also a sense of like wanting to please and wanting to help. And it's there's a weird like, circular, semi-narcissistic thing that happens. I've experienced it, right? Where you're just like, oh my God, I'm going to give so much up if I don't make everyone really happy. Yes. But then you realize like, I can't control this. Right. I've unleashed the to-do text monster. (laughs) 
And all these people start showing up and making it their own. What were the things they were adding? They were just adding things like, you know, sort by due date or add recurring tasks, which is actually like a lot more annoying and complicated to do in a shell script than you'd think. Yeah, stuff is complicated. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just, I, I, I built a cron job the other day and I had to go into the cron file. And yeah. uh, so for people who don't know what that is, there is built into every Unix system, which includes your Mac, there's a system essentially called cron which runs chronological tasks. And you can go in there and you can say like every half hour do this. And right. it's good for automatic system administration. Like every half hour, move the log files to a backup directory. Right. Things like that. Right. But most people aren't running a cron job like on their local no. computer, which they shut down and move, you know. It's I like mean, a like, half hour every time yeah. I have to do it. It is a really like recurring tasks are a particular nightmare. And this mm-hmm. is a problem that was solved, you know, 40 years ago. And it's still kind of a hard problem. And yeah. everybody everybody thinks that they could do better. It's true. Yeah. It's true. And people wanted subtasks and, you know, ways to make tasks dependent on the others. So when I complete this one, then automatically reprioritize the next one on the list. Like it got – this is the thing about to-do lists. There are an infinite number of features that you can build. Well, they're into a personal a expression of how people see productivity, right? Absolutely. Have you ever looked inside of the iCal specification? No. Oh. I'm so scared. iCal is the official specification for exchanging calendar entries, and it's got all the stuff, all of it. All the time zones, all the crazy. Uh, I love it. I'm fascinated by it. There's, I, I keep wanting to, because what I, I have the secret goal. I want to make a, a thing that you can schedule things for like 20 years out. Yes. Like time to retire, or <laughs> this is when people usually really screw up this thing. And, right. Hold right? yourself, hold your yeah. future self accountable, yeah. but your far future self. Remember, young people are just buttering you up now. They don't really <laughs> like you. Um, you should probably start dyeing your hair. Exactly. About, exactly. Right? Well, that that was 15 years ago for me. But the um, yeah, this is you. You retain your natural hair color, and it's a little infuriating. Uh, I have to I'm say, sorry. you and I are roughly the same I'm age. Sorry. Like we, you we know. just had this conversation. Yeah. America. I feel and a little I, bit bad. No, no, I know. But I've been going gray since I was 20. I've never. My family, my my people, are gray at birth. Essentially, we're okay. born dying. And um, I think it makes you look distinguished. Yeah, great, great. Salt and pepper, silver fox. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, uh, yeah, no, inside, I, one day, you know, I, I think you would actually find it fascinating as a cultural document. Like, it's all the things that you've dealt with over the last 10 years are actually fully articulated in this terrible, d- difficult standard. And it's not like XML or JSON. It's like a weird key value. Mm-hmm. It also has like a full, uh, you can put any payload in there because I love that, right? Like, everyone's like, well, what if you need something else? Well, we'll make a space. So right. you could use it as a as a blogging engine, you can sure. do anything. You can do anything. Oh, standards are so good. Yeah. Anyway, so lots of people try to solve this problem. You solved it in a beautiful, simple way for yourself, and then everybody immediately <laughs> needed to screw that up. Um, <laughs> this is the thing I think too, right? Like the desire to customize it is the beginning of the end of productivity. Exactly. Right. That's the fight, and you are good at that fight. Most of the other productivity gurus I've run across throughout my career lose that fight very badly. I'm only good at it because I spent five years doing it as my job every. Every single day, like, oh, let me try out this customization so I can write write about it, and then I just got it all out of my system. Right. You know, I mean, everybody everybody loves the productivity stuff still. I, in my mind, like that ended in two thousand nine, like because right. I left and I like left it behind. So I'm, I, I think that's the only reason why I'm good at it because I just I lived it and breathed it every single day because it was my job, which True. eventually just became unsustainable. I was like, now I need to do things with the things mm-hmm. like the the tools that I've made. To how be did we we need to get back to to do that text? But how did productivity change for you when you became? Uh, a mom. 
Oh, that was wow! That was just like a total mind blow, blind blowing moment. Where I was your like, daughter There's just is no way. she's four, four and a half. Four and a half, right? Yeah, she's four and a half. You know, you just like you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like somebody needs to go to the bathroom. Like now everything stopped. Like you, right. you know, you like had a system, that, <laughs> right? We had a system. The system now doesn't work. No, I completely blew up our a, lives. You're also on a clock suddenly. In a different way. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, I find that conflict account. really weird because yes. it's like I'm up at the same time. Yep. And unless I make use of that time, mm-hmm. I'm shot. Yeah, and it, right. You know, it's, it's true. It's true. I had to become a morning person mm-hmm. because I didn't have a choice. I'm not naturally a morning, no, morning person, but you have to be when you have a child. And, you know, there's that countdown to when you have to pick her up for sure. But then there's like, I'm going to plan Saturday. And then Saturday starts and it's not at all like you plan. Like no, things just not. go off the rails. No. And you just have to kind of be like, okay. Someone just had a tantrum. It's yep. not even your daughter. Yeah. <laughs> you, your <laughs> wife. It's a lot. It's true. Um, no, I noticed that. I, I noticed too, like yesterday, I was, I just, I hadn't gotten enough sleep. I'd messed up my leg, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, I couldn't get it together. Mm-hmm. And I'm reloading Twitter and I'm feeling bad, right? And yeah. I should have just gone home. Mm-hmm. Right. And I should have gone home, like taken a half hour nap and just gotten back to work. I had like 20 emails I need to answer. And, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's just but you're on that schedule. I had to pick up the kids last night. And it's mm-hmm. just like I'm, I'm moving everything around in that time. And so that really did like the, the sequential like check it off to do list plus children is really remarkable because it it, you just assume that the kids are going to be prioritized like in their own way. Do you ever forget when you drop them off and you're like, wait a minute, did I drop off the child? (laughs) Definitely. I do that. I do that every, I have to sit there and wait for both of them to go through the door so I know. And I get and I made her lunch and she has it and her mm-hmm. afternoon snack and her and her mm-hmm. morning snack. It's funny you like, don't always do it. You don't, sometimes you don't. sometimes you make a mistake and someone comes home and is like, My apple wasn't there. You're right. It's so sad. <laughs> so sad when that happens. No, you just ruined everything. And you know, at the same time my daughter's like taught me some things about productivity too. Like when things are going wrong at work, like the you know, the website is down or whatever, like I just have this perspective where I'm like, No one's dying. Like like no, there's not that like the kids are okay. Yeah. So like it's gonna be okay. So it's hard to get super emotional about that the way that I might have been before I was a mom. And there's also another thing that my daughter taught taught me. Like it's so clear to me when she is hungry or tired. Mm-hmm. Um and that and I can see it in myself too. Like oh, I'm super hangry about this AWS console not doing the thing that I want it to be because I didn't right. I didn't eat lunch. Maybe so if like, I have a tangerine. Exactly. Yeah. And if I step away and get some like, you know, hydrate and get some food, like I'll feel better. Mm-hmm. And so that like kindergarten level knowledge that I'm just super aware of now because of her that I'm teaching her. So it's been, you know, an advan- no. advantage and disadvantage. No, of course, right? That's just parenting. I, mm-hmm. I do think what's been good for me in my life is I have to go home. Yeah. I, you know, especially, you know, this is a new company. It'd be really easy to stay until 10 every night. Yeah. There's a lot to do. And like, I have to go, I like, I need to go home. Either my wife's got the kids and uh, I need to go help or I need, she's going to have just gotten them to bed and I'm just mm-hmm. going to check in with her. But like, I can't just work. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I mean, I, I love my work too. And, and I, I could also just work continuously, but it's like, I need to see her before she goes to bed. Right. Because, you know, there's not gonna be another night when she's exactly this many days old and she's going to bed like, I'm going to kiss her before she goes to bed. So that's, that's just the priority. Yeah. Which is good, which is hard sometimes when I have stuff to do. <laughs> it I is. I mean, because that to-do list is still, back yeah. to it, the to-do list is still there. Yes. Right. Like, and it's, it doesn't actually factor in the child right. in a, in a direct not. way. It's not like, hey, actually, we're going to shut this thing down because you got to right. go say goodnight. Right. 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 That's right. Okay. So this thing grew and grew and grew. 
It did. And lingered and lingered and lingered in your life, right? <laughs> and do you still use it every day? I do. I do use it every day. So there was tell, a Actually, tell us what it is. We should tell people what it does. Uh, so Okay, so so to do text is a format for a text file to okay. list tasks. So, so a little bit like Markdown, like really. Markdown, yeah, like Markdown, exactly, for, okay. t- for, for to-do lists. Uh, so it's a format. It's this shell script, which a very small percentage of the world will ever use because most people aren't at the command line. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point, you know, smartphones happened because um, this thing literally is that old. I started in 2006. Smartphones happened and I wanted, I was using it every day, but I wanted to be able to add and deal with my task list on my phone. Sure. So it then became a, an Android app and an ios app which modifies this text file and syncs it to dropbox oh interesting. lots of people use sure. dropbox so the text file remains the sort of database of record that's right so the interface for dealing with it if you're at your desktop is you write little commands right and it logs things to the to, to this the text file text file in your dropbox the interface for mobile is still that text file yeah like it's or, sorry the interface talks to that text file, uses that as a data layer. That's right. Um, but it looks more like a traditional to-do app. Right. It's a list. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a box where you're editing text. It's okay. not a text editor. It's a list where you can tap on things and prioritize them, and that just translates into the format. It writes it to this text file and syncs to Dropbox in the background. I can go download this right now in various stores. Yeah, yeah, online. it's in the iOS and and uh, an Android app store. I, it is a, it's a bit out of date. We'll get to that. I mean, it's yes, obviously. <laughs> apologize for your old software. I will. We I will all, apologize. We all need for my to do that. Yes. Um, and then this actually happened without me knowing much about it, and I'm really glad it happened. It turns out that we have adopt Postlight. The company is adopting. To do text. I, I pitched it to you all and you accepted, which so, I'm still like pinching myself about a little no, bit. No, I think it's I think it makes a lot of sense. So what are we actually doing? What does adoption mean in this context? Well it just so means it's an open source it's project. It's an open source to start. project. That's right. The the, the the format is out there. I guess I'm the benevolent dictator sure. around the format. The format's not like a W3C thing. It's just a, an agreed upon community format uh, with the ability to add custom fields. All the apps are open source. Mm-hmm. Um, I so think a way for people to think about it, it's just a shortcut. Like yeah. you could come up with this yourself, but why bother? Right, exactly, exactly. Um, and so, and lots of people have built lots of apps for it and plugins and things. But what Pulselite is doing is making the very much needed updates to the Android and iOS uh, apps, modernizing them and building them out to talk to the talk to the to do text format. And with, I believe we're doing it in React Native. That exciting. is because I still get a lot of GitHub um, notifications. That is true. <laughs> That's a weird thing. Like because I own the GitHub organization, I get whenever a new re- repository is created, I start getting emails with all the code. So I'm like, oh, that's what's yeah, happening. That's happening. That's cool. Yeah. So yeah, it is a React Native app, which means that um, I'll try to explain React Native, then you try to explain React Native. <laughs> Still working on it. So React is this big web framework created by Facebook that does all sorts of magic things that make it easy to make sort of component driven web apps. So components are things like lists or boxes with text or, or buttons. And, right. and so React Native is an attempt to take the React world and graft it onto iOS and Android. And not just in a browser, but actually connecting to the native toolkits that each of those have. So if you use That's an right. Android button, it's a re- if you're on Android using React Native and you want a button, it's an Android button. And right. the same is true with iOS. That's right. And so the nice thing there is that this kind of stack of web technologies with some new cognitive overhead can be grafted into the world of mobile apps and still 
Uh, you can bring a lot of information from the React world onto the mobile app, but still have a pretty native experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it comes out. Re- and you have one code base. See, this is the thing. I, I went down this road of I've got this Objective-C iOS app. I've got this Java Android app. Maintaining mobile apps like as a side project on like your nights and weekends, it's actually it's a lot of work because every year <laughs> right. there's a there's a new release and there are new things that you got to update and the iOS store needs another giant image. That well, see the irony here is you made the thing that was supposed to not get you out of this world. Right. Look, it's a simple text file. Actually, you know what? Let me add some shell commands. Now this is great. I can get all my stuff done. It's like you you were spending like a minute a day organizing your thing. But because you had to create editorial content, you're like, let me tell the world what I've done. (laughs) And now 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 you're supporting two mobile applications with lots of users. (laughs) Yes, look where we are. (laughs) That's what happens. And there's no money in it. (laughs) Oh, that is great, Gina. You did real good. But it's a successful thing that has brought joy to many people. It, and it's brought me a lot of joy, and it's been a great experience. And I should I should say that right now I am charging like two bucks for the apps, which I use to like build back to, to send back into the community. I, there were times when I was just like, I just don't have time to learn this Objective C thing, so I right. hire contractors right. to be like, please help me fix this like breaking bug. Mm-hmm. Um, so oh, because Apple would update something. Apple would update something. And it's it, a it simple app, right? Too. Yeah, very very simple. This or you know, the Dropbox SDK would would update, and you know, with breaking changes. Or this whatever. is the thing. I mean, people should know when you are building apps in particular mobile apps like the web is bad in its own way but like mobile apps are spectacular you are adopting yeah. a child it is yeah you will not be done with this if it's successful and yet not tremendously revenue generating right you're still going to have this thing yeah and it absolutely. will break every like six months it's true what i love is there, there's no back end there's nothing like, right you're not you won't you it really should just have continued to work yeah but it's true whatever google <laughs> google or apple google and apple are not worried about you no they're not <laughs> So what are we actually, so we're adopting it, meaning that like, what what are we doing? Do you know? We're going to put a, I'm literally kind of curious. <laughs> I should know a little more, but I mean, to my mind, we're going to sort of take over the GitHub repository, yeah. respond to things and make sure that the apps are in the app store. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Good. We're, you know, doing a real design. I'm not mm-hmm. a designer. We're actually like having real product designers look at this and say, okay, like, let's think this through and make this look good. Great. Um, and yeah, we're going to keep keep the apps up to date and just kind of reinvigorate the community when, when how we can, the open source community. That's great. So we're going to tend to, yeah. to do .tx. We're exactly. going to be, so Postlight has agreed to be the shepherd. Yes. That's great. That's a good role for us. I've, I think, you know what I think too, like I, I like adopting software. I also am very, I'm interested long term to see if we can adopt data because data just after six months, everybody puts up like some big cool data set and you're like, this is useful. I can extrapolate things from this and make meaning from it. And then there's never a budget or a, or a sense of like, no, you know, every six months we need to like enhance this, enhance the quality, add the new data in, whatever. And right. so it's hard to think of clear examples. Like, like there's one, I mean, the ones that are pretty well maintained are like Wikipedia's data dump and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's stuff from about, there's census related stuff, demographic stuff, geography related stuff. It's just, it's, it's tough when you're building things and you go out and you're like, oh, this is interesting. And it was last updated three years ago. Right. And so I think that there's probably a role for an adopting organization to think that way, too. Definitely. Or maybe like sort of co-sponsor, you know, like, hey, we'll take you, you know, it'll, it'll, we can be the place where things can live. So if anyone ever has an idea for like a big data set that needs a little love, feel free to get in touch. Okay. So do we know when we're releasing it? 
I don't think we have a, a release date yet. I okay. think we're really close to an internal test build. I know. One of the reasons I'm talking about with you is that we did already start talking about a launch party in about a month. So. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So I guess it's time to get that one out. <laughs> all right. All right. We're, we're very close. Uh, I've been watching the GitHub repository. It's very, very exciting. It's fun, It right? warms my heart to see yeah. to do text commits that I have not made personally. It's, it's, your, it's the team. It's, <laughs> it's there's the team. like all these people involved. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You're not, are you doing too much on it at this point? Is no, it? no, no. I, part of the agreement was like, I want professionals to take this over and do the things. Like, I've been thinking about this thing for 10 years. Well, and you, are, very... you are, you literally well, are a professional. Of course. Here, but, but like... <laughs> of course. I wanted people, I wanted people who haven't been thinking about this for 10 years to start to think about it and question some of the assumptions that I made are just sort of hardened over time. I mean, I, I mean, you know, maintaining an open source community over time, like, kind of turns you into a jerk. And, and not that, not that I've been turned into a jerk, but. No, you, you just, you, you spend your time telling people no. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. it's, you get, you get so in the habit of telling them no that you don't even like you just say it the first thing yeah You're like, well i'll tell you what <laughs> our engineer zach uh who's working on this at one point pulled me aside and was like you know i just want to tell you this format is it's amazing it's just so simple and so effective and i was kind of like well let me tell you about the hundred things that i wish was different about uh-huh. it and he was just kind of like i don't know what you're talking about this is, i've just been thinking about it too much i was too close to it so this is kind of liberating it's 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 fantastic. That's great. So this isn't you don't have to take care of this thing as much anymore. It's still it's still yours, really, and at this some level. Beautiful thing. No, 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 it's no. Not, it's right. the Bel- world. It, it really does it's belong the to the community. I, am, I will be an individual contributor just like everyone else, Paul. This is the gift that Pulselight has given me. I'm proud of that. I think that's good <laughs> that this organization can pull that off. That is a really good thing for us to do. Like here here is something that is a benefit to the larger community that people are involved with and it belongs to the commons. But it's a source of individual stress for you. It can be a source. And it won't be like we can just manage it like a project. It's just some bugs will come in, some issues, some pull requests. We can accept changes or not. Exactly. It also puts it when you take something away from the from the individual benevolent dictator and actually sort of add the structure around it. Mm -hmm. It does in a different way kind of put the pressure back onto the community. Like when there's somebody in charge, there's an assumption that. A, they'll take care of it, and B, you have to ask them first. Yes. And I think, like, at some level, what we're going to get now is just, hey, I wanted to do this. Here's a pull request. And someone here who could be someone who just started two months ago and we're like, hey, actually, you're in charge of to-do.txt pull requests. Right. Will reply to them as if it was just part of their day job. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, that's interesting, but it, it gets in the way of these three things, and mm-hmm. maybe review it with you if you have time. Right. And that's that. Yeah. Exactly. It's would, funny. In the beginning of this process, you know, people would be like, "Well, do you want to be in the meeting?" And I'm like, "I don't need to be in the meeting. Like, I trust you. Like, this is a community. Like, I don't need." Yeah. To. And people at first were like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "Fine. I trust you. Do your do your work. Do your thing. Show me what you made later." I was like, very happy to. To do that. All right, good. Well, we'll have to throw a good party for it. I'm excited. All right, good. We'll have a launch party. So, you know, watch this space, subscribe to the meetup and to our to the newsletter because who doggies? We're going to have a productivity party. God, <laughs> I, I hope to God we can plan it well. <laughs> um, we'll have checklists know, everywhere posted posted around. So, Paul, what do you use to keep track of your to-dos? You're an incredibly effective founder. I, I want to know what the secret to your productivity is. Oh, everyone's smiling uncomfortably in the room. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously. So I've always been a text file person. Okay. Um, I probably would have been a to-do.txt t- person. I just probably I wasn't paying attention. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. 
How the hell? I'm going to try. Let me try to make this interesting to human beings. Yeah, please. Okay. Because I I, I, I suspect that you have some sort of complicated. I feel like I've seen over your shoulder something weird looking. And I was like, I want to know more. Tell me me about what that is. All right. So I I actually also outed myself this way. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about the fact that I use a productivity system called org mode. So got to back up a little bit. Org mode is part of Emacs. Emacs is a text editor. But as text editors go, it is enormous and complicated. It's actually, there are just thousands, thousands of plugins for it. And the plugins all come as executable Lisp code, and it is a big deal. And it's been around for probably 30 years now, um, maybe even more. So I started using it in college. You kind of make a choice if you're a terminal-based person between VI VI or VIM or Emacs. And I just, for whatever reason, went in the direction of Emacs. My college roommate went VIM. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I mean, he's an engineer, and I was just sort of like, I think I was, I don't know why I chose Emacs. We're still both, like, he's still a Vim user. And you're- You know, (laughs) we're we're on year 20 now. Right. and I'm still an Emacs user. So it's just those choices get locked in. So you it's like lo- Robert Frost poem. Yeah. Past, a virgin exactly. of wood. There go the paths, Yeah, right? there go the paths. Um, and so you learn the keyboard commands. These are very like you can use a mouse with Emacs. And but no one does. Not for the menus, right? right. You, you, it all gets just sort of worked into your bones. Yep. If you tell me how to save a file, I'm literally as we're talking, certain fingers are right, moving. I see like your my, fingers my moving right now. My pinky is hitting the control key in my brain yeah. and I'm doing XC to save the file. You know, this right. is all this. If I want to save a file, it's this control command and if I want to split the buffer up and have two files open at once and so on. So I've been living that life for a while and then I think actually about, it was like almost as many as 10 years ago, this thing called org mode came out and it's just basically, it was built on top of a uh, an already existing outliner. So, so this is a plugin for Emacs. Yeah, and if you know Markdown, it's a little like that. Like you, okay. one asterisk is a header, yep. two asterisks is, is the subheader, and so on. So it's an outline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can fold the outline. Okay, okay. So you can show only the top level headings and only the, the gotcha. you know, or the second level headings, and you can hide all the text that appears underneath. So it's them. like workflowy, but in this text yeah. space editor. Gotcha. Yeah, so like that, except that you've got this actually sort of jet fuel powered engine underneath it okay. and a full programming language to manipulate the text in, in the form of the Lisp programming language or ELISP, which is the Emacs dialect. Um, okay. Because so nobody sends me an email. And um, <laughs> Wait, so tell me about that. You're programmatically moving the text around? Are you talking well, about just the I'm not writing commands? the Lisp code, but you okay. can extend a mode very completely, right? Gotcha. So it's like, if you wanted to do something really weird, you can. Okay. And so, like, what, like, tell me, what's something really weird? Um, so I, so the outline, right, you can add the word to do in yeah. front of the, in any one of those headers, right? And so that's fine. And then it will flag that as a certain color. And you can yeah. then, if you hit like shift, I've got it set to shift arrow key, it'll, it'll go between states. So to do can go from to do to done to in progress. And oh, so very on. nice. Okay. But then you, if you type a bracket slash bracket, it'll start to fill in all the numbers of subordinate to-do tasks. So you can be like, oh, you can break things up into individual steps. Subtasks. And then it'll be like, you know, three out of 19. You've completed three out of 19 tasks. I mean, that's a big tenet of productivity is just breaking things down to small, small bits. So it's really, really good at that. So that all starts to make sense, right? And it has an agenda mode and you can, you can, uh, have it sort of list all the things that are coming up. You can add dates and times to it. So in interface it with your calendar. Uh, and it also has a similar, um, for iOS and maybe for Android, it has a similar thing where you sync it to a Dropbox and you can use it on iOS. So, so it, it, this is a text file, though? It's this, a text file. Absolutely. Ultimately, 100%, like, it's a text file. Flat text. Okay. 
so I think like the to do TXT plus outlining, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think it's it's we're in the same zone. Yep. But then because it's Emacs, it starts to go completely crazy, and so it has integrated blocks of computer programming. You can write Python scripts or Bash scripts inline, and it will then execute them and put the output in. So you can oh. create, you can use it as a writing tool. It will export to HTML, also to PDF through LaTeX, which is the uh, – Oh, yeah. No, you can create very complex interactive PDFs with footnotes and bibliographies with it. Whoa. Um, mm-hmm. It will uh, create calendar entries for you. You can sync it to your Google Cal. How, how are you doing that syncing? Uh, it, you put it on Dropbox and gotcha. then you load that file. And you, okay. Yeah, that file okay. has a web address at that point. And that's just the beginning. It has its own hypertext linking system. You can include other files. You can uh, link to emails in it and then call up the emails. And so it's like... It sounds like a beast. It is an absolute beast. It does everything. And it does it all through flat text. And it gets to a point... I mean, it's you see the flat text underneath with all the links and all the stuff. And it is a point of chaos in there. But yeah. the, the reality is, like, it does the thing. It is a hypertext linked agenda to-do list tracker thing. Yeah, so this is my question. So you're using this as a to-do list. You're also using this to write? I do. I use it for both of those purposes. I stay away from the more, like I started to customize it to the point that it was unhealthy. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you've ever done that where you kind of like blow away the config file and start over yeah. like, hey, wait a minute, calm yeah. down. Yeah. So uh, this is <laughs> Got to commit that to your dot .files repository yeah. and GitHub. And oh, once you, you blow up the whole thing, you got to version your config. Yeah. Yeah. That's when, when things get weird. You can spend a lot of time configuring stuff. Yeah. And it, you know, it'll read from anything. It'll export to all sorts of stuff. You can actually, and then there's a there's a great program, by the way, which people should know about called Pandoc, mm-hmm. which is a text converter to anything program. You can download it and install it. It's a command line program, but it converts to and from Microsoft Word pretty well. And that's always been the hardest part of any of these systems is that you might be working, but ultimately the world still likes to get Microsoft Word, Word. files delivered to it. Yep. And clearly in the writing. Yeah. Writing world, your editors are going to want a Word file. Yeah. This will actually just like, you can get from org, you know, as long as it's kind of under control, you can get from org to word really cleanly. So what, what I'm hearing from you is you found a home in this software. That's right. That you feel comfortable in and that you're, you're living there and you're just like, yeah, this is crazy, but I'm here and, I, and I've got the muscle memory and this works for me. Well, it's a big community. So it's very well supported. It's mm-hmm. a really big part of Emacs at this point. Yeah. And it's, it's updated. I mean, the, the code changes come across frequently. Mm-hmm. And so it's stable in that way. Like, I mean, it's, it's something that has been around for a while that I know is always there. And yeah, so what I do is I just open up, you know, file.org. I have one called postlight.org. And mm-hmm. it just, you can, I got really into, like anything, I got into, you know, a nice hierarchical to-do list and everything yeah. got very complex. And now it's just vague. It's pretty flat. Pretty flat. Yeah. Um, and I definitely use it, you know, we're still client services here. So, I mean, it's like I use it for note-taking and outlining and yeah. talking to people. And it's, what is great is if you're writing something for actually both uses. Like if I'm interviewing someone or trying to like we're getting a client project in and I'm trying to understand their needs, I can put the to-dos right in the notes as I'm writing. Right. And so I have the output is like here's all my notes and here's all the to-dos. And I can organize them and restructure them and, and sort of like there is a real practical thing because some of those might become tasks for other people. Yep. Usually they do. Like usually it's like I need to talk to, you know, this person about this and this yep. person about that. And so having the to-do list and the notes together yeah, is really, really useful. Really useful. And then 
when I'm being asked to write something, even if it's a, an email or even if, if it's a longer article, like mm-hmm. I know that's a default. I'll have the structure. I can make sure that I'm kind of having some kind of outline mode, even if I start in flat text because I just have a couple paragraphs in my brain. Right. I often find myself then adding and superimposing and then restructuring and moving outlines around. Mm-hmm. So it's become my default in a way that and I'm actually like I was really good at Microsoft Word outline mode too. Like I'm not right. but like this is this is very fast. Yeah. And the ability to get it to a relatively formal presentation style, like I can send it to you as a Word doc, I can mm-hmm. show it to you as an HTML page or even output the PDF mm-hmm. is really powerful because yeah. that ultimately a lot of my life comes down to can I give you this? Right. That makes that makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think this is I think this is the key. Like the fact that you you, you found a home in this place, you've committed to this the software and you just use it. And I already like, had I like so 10, important. 15 years in there. Right. 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 You're right. You're already in there. I think this is the thing. I think people just keep change. Like, I think that there's so much overhead to just switching and being like, that seems like so much better. I like, see it around the tooling. office. Everybody's yeah, got their own thing. Yeah. 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 Just messing with tooling. Just that alone. So, you know, the to do text like it isn't perfect. Like, sure. Are there other apps that like do things? But yes, but like that's my home and I'm committed to it. I've got 15,000 completed to do's from 2006, like dating back to 2006 that I can grab and that's that right. just makes me happy. And what, what is it like a one meg file at this point? Like it's so <laughs> it's a, it's tiny, a, right? Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Your life still would fit on a floppy. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love yeah. it. That is a good point too. The archive is surprisingly useful yeah. if you allow, if you don't change up. Exactly. Right. I'm able to, I've because I've got phone numbers in there and just yeah. all those random stray things. I it saved my life a bunch I of just, times. I think about all that's just sort of like digital exhaust that I leave across mm-hmm. all these apps that I like, you know, web-based stuff that's hosted from some company that I started to use and use for some purpose and then just sort of moved on or forgot about. And that's it, true. It, it I have a re- I have a remember the milk account somewhere. Oh out yeah, there. me yeah. too. Oh, definitely, absolutely. I mean, journaling apps and and it it freaks me out and like the idea that this is all just in my my Dropbox just makes me it makes me happy. Happy. Ownership is really key with that kind of stuff. I do. I feel that I own my own schedule that way. Mm-hmm. It's a good point, though. You're making a kind of gently implied point, which is that, my lord, what's the goal? Is the goal to be the most productive, majestically everything human being possible? Or is the goal to just kind of get your stuff done, go home, see your daughter, mm-hmm. you know, make sure she's going to bed? Like. <laughs> To do text is pretty good for that. Honestly, it's even for me sometimes less about getting things done and just writing things down because I think about things by writing about mm-hmm. them and it just lessens the anxiety. Like if I can externalize the stuff that I'm worried about and the stuff that I feel like I'm, is going to come up on me soon and I'm not really sure how I'm going to do it, if I can externalize that to a text file, just that act alone like makes me feel calmer. Yeah. So I've, I've come to this place where I'm like, this is just as much anxiety management as this is like getting myself to do stuff. Because then once I see the list, I can be like, actually, this isn't that important. Actually, this isn't blocking my day tomorrow. I can mm-hmm. move this down. Like this is the thing that's most important, but it, it's only because I can see it. So obviously I've got this very deep philosophy about to-do lists. It's very personal for me. Sure. And it is very much a, like a, a just a mental, kind of mental health mechanism more than anything. I think what's interesting is that yours kind of emerges from you. And I, there was a point, which I know you remember, where the getting things done, like I would almost call it ideology as yes. much as a pro- like started to happen and I finally sat down and read that book yeah and it's fine it's fine but it's also banana cakes like it's yep. just like I don't need all those folders <laughs> the one thing the one thing that is 43 trem- by the way 43, 43 folders yeah right? the one thing that is tremendously valuable about it I thought was it just it was like get your stuff out of your email exactly Let's get it it's like it needs to be in a place where you can triage and prioritize it without 
causing guilt. And mm-hmm. learning to see guilt as a a signal of bad systems as yeah. opposed to a personal failing. I mean, I still struggle with it. I think everybody does. Me too. Right? Absolutely. You know, yes. the, other, the other one for me was learning to accept that boredom was often not a personal failing, but just a sign that like there wasn't enough going on. Like, <laughs> I'm just like, this is a really boring thing. Like, why is everyone, you know, I, I don't, and like a client meeting or, or something where like everyone's like, they're just holding forth. Like, this isn't real. Right? I'm bored because this isn't. This is boring. Yeah, this is boring. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so those two things, like realizing that, I mean, the guilt is real, but that, yeah. you know, and that. That sometimes everyone's running around telling everyone like, you know, really important stuff. And it's actually just often not that important. It's true. It's hard. It's hard to say that out loud. Now I'm worried. I'm worried someone's going to listen and be like, oh, is that what he thinks? That's why he was blazing. It's hard to be in a sales driven organization, I tell you. (laughs) Um, So really what we're saying is when you want to be productive, I think, I mean, really, what are we saying? What do you think? We're talking about writing things down. That's really what That's we're what writing we're talking down. about. It. Okay. Which, you know, we're, we're, two, we're, we're, we're both saying. writers, so yeah. this is this is pretty pretty but obvious it, conclusion. But it's getting it out of your brain. Yeah. Because when it's in your brain, it, it, all sorts of toxic bad things happen. Exactly. Right? Like <laughs> right. your brain is actually bad at lists, it turns out. Yes. Okay. So when so. you try to keep the, the list in your brain, like bats come in and, and roost in every element of the of the list and, and call at you. I know bats yeah. don't call, but the ones in your brain do. Absolutely. Um, Particularly in the uncertainty, the uncertainty oh, parts. Yeah. Whenever there's any sort of uncertainty. Uh, I mean, imagine us if we didn't have these productivity systems. We'd be, I mean, this is, we're still a little, like, it's still pretty stressful just being alive. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'd be so much happier. We could be reverting to an agrarian age, you know? We could be, maybe we'd be farmers. Just do whatever I felt like doing in the moment. I know, but what you know, yeah, wouldn't what, that, would that, what would it look like? But the thing is, is like when you meet farmers, they're literally just like, I have to do. Like the, the first to-do list were those calendars of like, you know, in May, plant your seeds. Exactly, right. So <laughs> we're, we're dealing with that too. Like it's just, oh well, I'm going to go get a hoe and find a garden. <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, let people know when the to-do text reboot is out. Yes, and uh, we'll probably have a good event. It's fun to talk about it in progress. And how old will it be? Oh, it's 11 years old this year. That's like great. to do text as a community and as a format. Yeah, it was 2006. Can you believe that? 11 years. When you wrote that thing, how long did you think it would last? Oh, my God. Like a I'm minute. I'm the worst shell scripter ever. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, people are going to laugh. Like I was like really, people are going to laugh at this. I had no, I thought it was going to be a post on Lifehacker that had the, the, the shelf life of a post, which is like a few weeks. 11 years later. 11 years later. All right. Well, we React are. Native. We are we are proud to be the caretakers of this rich legacy. Such uh, an honor. It's such an honor. So, um, Gina Terpani, thank you for coming on Track Changes. Thank you for having me. Your uh, your desk is about eight feet away from the studio, so please uh, get home safe. <laughs> Very um, short commute. And I'll just tell everyone who's listening. Thank you for listening. Uh, I'm Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of Postlight. My uh, co-founder Rich Ziotti is out of the country and so it's just me as the host in case you're missing him and Gina Trapani is a director of engineering here at Postlight. Gina, thank you. Thank you, Paul. If you want to get in touch with us, just send an email to hello at postlight.com That is very easy to remember but in case you didn't get it that first time I'll do it again. Hello at postlight.com and uh, if you want to, you can give us five stars on iTunes. There's no pressure. It's just if you're in a good mood and you want to do something nice for the universe, we're always here. Just let us know. We like to answer complicated questions and solve complicated problems. So 
If you ever have need of us, send us an email. If you want to talk to us about work, do that too. We build big, complicated web platforms, products, all that stuff. We're Digital Product Studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. And thank you for listening.